0: The Dancepreneuring Studio Session 24 7 Life Lessons From Serving Lunch 5678 I wanted to sing that first part of that song. Oh, my goodness. What is it called? I think it's called whoop where there it is, whereas they say party people. But that's that's just not me. So (laughs) I don't know why I thought of that. I think of just because I'm introducing the show and and trying to do something different. But anyway, I'm not I'm not going to do something I normally wouldn't do. But maybe I will. I don't know. But anyway, welcome. I'm Annette Bone. This is the Dancepreneuring Studio. And this is the place where dance inspires life and business. And every other week, I bring you some of the best and creative minds who are connected to the art of dance. And they share their stories, their ideas strategies and tactics that help move your life and business forward. And this week, I'm excited to share this book that I recently read that you can implement right away and get excited about the quick wins that you can have by implementing the steps in this book. And then in our feature presentation, I go back a little bit, I take you back to when I was in school (laughs) and some of the interesting perspectives I've gotten eating school lunches, and then also working a job that I did not like. So I'm sure many of you can relate to that. So again, thank you for joining me. Here we go. Hey, this is Mike Kim from the Brand New Podcast, and you are listening to a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio, where dance inspires life and business with the one and only Annette Bone. It's profitable to be skillful and wise. Welcome to this week's Step to Success. A step to your success is anything that moves your life and business forward. Whether it's an app, a book, or an idea, you can apply something today that will help you succeed. Have you ever had those days where all you wanted to do was clean and organize? I definitely have those days. I think most people can kind of work around having stuff around them because that's, you know, that's just life. You get focused and you kind of have to ignore some of the messes going on around you and focus. But there are times when, oh my goodness, it just bugs me. So... Um, let me backtrack a little bit. The, the step to success I want to share is a book this week, and it's called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing. And it is by Marie no, Marie Kondo. I think that's how you pronounce her name. And you can find a link in the show notes at com forward slash zero two four. And in the midst of a bunch of client projects I'm doing at the moment and being a little bit overwhelmed, honestly, I let my reading go. And I have a goal for the number of books that I want to read by the end of the year. And I was, I was reviewing them and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm not even close. I got to get on it. And I was at the point where I just needed a mental break and I just wanted to sit and read a book. And so I sat there for a while and then I picked up one of my homeschool books on my list and read a little bit of that and read another book about, gosh, I forgot what that book was. (laughs) Um, And then I have this book on my list, this book by Marie Kondo. And so I started reading this book and I finished it in one sitting. And I was so excited about what she talked about that I started implementing her first step after I was done. And I've I've read a number of organizing and organizing books and stuff. But this one, I just... She probably says a lot of the same things that other books do, but I liked her approach with making this... Process of organizing and decluttering a very graceful art, and just talking about uh, the Japanese philosophy on things and respect. And I really resonated with that. I use resonate a lot too. I notice I use definitely and resonate <laughs> a lot when I'm talking. So I resonated a lot with this book, and I even got my son to to do the the clothing part. She she says to start with the clothing. So she instead of just going by, I guess, by room or something else. She recommends going by category. So the first thing she said is clothing because clothing is easy to go through and you don't have that physical, that emotional attachment as such. Maybe it meant something to you before, but the clothes don't mean anything to you now or you don't fit them or they're too big, to some, whatever. But anyway, I found it very easy to do. I was very happy to do it. And my son actually really enjoyed it because what we did is we took each piece of clothing that we had and we asked ourselves does this make me happy if I wear it? Is it something when I look at it that it brings me joy? And if it doesn't, it's gone. So it was really easy to do. Plus, I don't have a lot of clothes to begin with, so <laughs> that made it that much easier. But just that process of going through it that way as opposed to, oh, I like this, I don't like this. And, and it, in essence, it is kind of like that, but I think just the intention of why, first of all, I was doing it, and she talked, to how, she talked about how important it was to... Determine what is it really that you want to get from going through this process of decluttering and organizing. And I just really love the way she talked about a lot of these things in such, like I said, a graceful way, having uh, the Japanese philosophy about things and respect and so I would recommend this book and I think doing a whole session on the other parts of this book I might do that because I'm still I haven't gone through everything yet I just did the close part but she goes through the books and kitchen stuff and all these other things it's very encouraging very easy to do and I hope that I would love to actually hear if you've gone through this process already if you've read this book and what you got out of it so the book again is called the life-changing magic of tidying up The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing by Mari Kondo. And I hope you enjoy the book as much as I did. And I'm really looking forward to going through the rest of her suggestions about tidying up and decluttering. I'm very excited. Love this book. Highly recommend it. And now, Life and Business Connect with The Dancer's Dialect. The Dancer's Dialect is the dancer's language. I'm going to share dance terminology across different genres so you can see the correlations in your life and in your business. The word for today in the dancer's dialect is sur le coup de pied, obviously French. It means on the neck of the foot. And what it is, is the working leg is placed on the bottom parts between the base of the calf and the beginning of the ankle. And it's wrapped around, which is why it's called on the neck of the foot. And... I've linked a video in the show notes at annettebone.com forward slash zero two four so you can see what sur le, coup de, sur le coup de pied is. As you can tell, I don't speak French. <laughs> so, anyway, if depending on what ballet school you study with, Sur le coup de pied is the preparation for another technical exercise called frappe, which means to strike. And so what happens is you start in sur le coup de pied, you strike your foot against the floor to a point, and that's frappe. Now, other schools will teach to flex your foot starting for the preparation. So your your foot is flexed at your ankle instead of wrapped around your ankle to the frappe, which which is, again, to strike, to the point. And neither one is right or wrong. It just depends on what school you study with. When I think of sur le coup de pied, well, when I'm in class, of course, I'm thinking, am I wrapping my foot and turning out as much as I can? So (laughs) when I'm in class, I'm definitely thinking about that. But as I'm thinking about how it applies to life and business I have to examine what am I wrapping my thoughts and my heart around? Am I wrapping them around great ideas, positive thoughts, inspirational people, my dreams, things, you know, things that excite me? Am I am I proactively doing that? And if I'm not, then what do I need to do to make sure that I stay in that stay in that mindset where I'm wrapping my heart and my mind around, and my emotions around good, positive stuff that, that excites me. And when opportunity comes, am I being too careful or am I striking while the iron's hot? So to say, so I would recommend that you examine the same thing with what are you wrapping your heart, your mind, and your emotions around? Is it good stuff? Is it not so good stuff? And what are you doing with the opportunities that come to you? Are you striking while, while they aren't hot, or are you being careful and being hesitant? So anyway, only you can answer that, but I would encourage you to, you know, reexamine if you haven't already. Either way, it's a good habit to get into. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. I don't know what triggered this thought, but... <laughs> I was thinking about cafeterias, school cafeterias the other day, and it brought memories of my school cafeteria days and also a job that I took that I absolutely detested. And there's definitely positive that came out of that. And that's what I'm going to share in this session. But I was thinking about the different experiences I had with school cafeterias. I went to public school In my elementary years. And then I went to a private Catholic school in middle school. And then I went to an all girls private Catholic school in my high school years. And so each set of experiences were very different. Well, first of all, my elementary years, I don't remember the first part of it. It was in Texas at Clark Elementary School in Colleen, Texas. (laughs) I don't know if it's still there probably, but I don't remember a lot of that except for that my mom used to make her yummy Korean food that would be waiting for me when I got home. So I always looked forward to that. So that's all I remember about that. But And then also, of course, being embarrassed, embarrassing things that happened in elementary school. That's another story. But when we moved to Hawaii, My dad got stationed there. He was in the army and we moved to Hawaii. I went to, from like second to sixth grade, I went to Red Hill Elementary School in Aliamanu, if you're familiar with Oahu and Hawaii, and it's it's, uh, part of a military base. And so we lived in military housing, of course. And Oh my goodness, I still remember, I can still picture the cafeteria and standing in line in the hot sun after we've played out in the field. And and if you're familiar with Hawaii, there's that red, like the mud can get really red and stained. And so I remember my shoes getting all stained. and, And so I remember waiting in line and just, oh gosh, just I remember the heat of the sun and then also just not really understanding the the uh, the way the lunch system worked with I guess if you didn't if you if your parents were of a certain income bracket then you got like the uh, these tokens and so I remember getting my tokens before getting on the bus every day and then going to school and then lunchtime I, I was just mortified because I was just I was just a very awkward embarrassed kid a lot of the time. And to other people, it didn't seem like that. But for me, I was just so introspective and so embarrassed, for lack of a better word. (laughs) So I was very shy. And so I just... Dreaded. I was so hungry, but then I dreaded going in there and figuring out. Oh my goodness, where am I going to sit? And am I going to sit with this friend, or am I going to have any friend to sit with, and that kind of thing? So, it wasn't the best experience, although the food was quite good. I remember cafeteria food actually being quite good. I know there's st- horror stories about cafeteria food, but in Hawaii, oh my goodness, it was good. I, I really, I really liked my cafeteria food, and then. We moved to Guam, and uh, my dad was was actually he actually retired from the military when we decided to move there because his side of the family lived there, and so I uh, finished out the elementary school years in Hawaii, and then started my you know seventh and eighth grade in Guam, and I and I can still picture the cafeteria there. It was a small private school, and they would make these interesting combinations like. Now I think it would be considered good cuisine for some, like they would put egg on pizza, which I know people like egg on pizza, and they would put like pickled radish on pizza. And I thought it was good, but other people thought it was really kind of gross. But I remember even then feeling just mortified walking in there, and I don't know if it was just like... I felt very embarrassed eating in front of people and just, I know it's, it's silly. It's really, really silly looking back on it now. And probably then it was just, you know, I was thinking everybody was looking at me, judging me. And so it was just silly looking back now. And so (laughs) I now going uh, quickly onto my high school years, it was a little bit better because I thought, okay, high school, we're all a little bit more mature. Um, I won't feel like I'm being bullied which happened actually in Hawaii where I was, where I experienced some bullying again. That's another story. And so in high school, it was, I felt a little bit better because it was all girls and we didn't really feel like we had to impress each other, although we kind of did, I guess. And I still remember the cafeteria with the, the tables were built into the walls. And so they were brought down and they were, they looked like picnic tables, Like a cafeteria, well, I don't say picnic tables, but they were built into the side of the walls, and they were brought down during lunchtime. But then also there were bleachers because this was inside the gymnasium. The lunchroom was inside the gym, was part of the gymnasium, and so we had the bleachers available as well. So in high school, I had more of a a wide range of friends, although I was still very negative and introverted and very self conscious. I. Kind of went around and and had had different groups of friends that just kind of depending on what I was going through, I'd, I'd kind of just kind of go around, and so that was a good thing. But I found myself very judgmental about what people ate and what people didn't eat, and that wasn't very cool. <laughs> that was not cool. And but I have to admit they had good food there too. And but I bring this up. There, there's a reason why I'm talking about this, because back in my 20s, I was after I got out of college, I was so panicked and desperate for a job that I went through a temp agency and I took whatever they gave me. And I I understand that there sometimes you just got to do that. You just either you don't know or at the time the options are limited. And this was back in like the early mid 90s. And I went through this temp agency very begrudgingly and just took whatever they gave me. I took a job, an assi- a temporary assignment, and I worked for two days. Two days. <laughs> I couldn't take it much longer than that at the company cafeteria of a major food manufacturer. And I won't tell you what it is because I don't know if it's there. And if it is there, I don't want to paint a bad picture about it. Although it's it's not a bad place. It's just where I was at was not such a good place. So that's that's the big takeaway here. I take responsibility because I was not at a good place. And so I was miserable from the get go. And so I left after two days because, number one, I hated wearing the white shirt and black pants uniform. I absolutely hated that. I was done with the uniform thing after I left private school. So, (laughs) number two, I didn't like standing all day. Uh, Number three, I was embarrassed because, oh, gosh, I didn't know how to count back change when someone handed me cash for the register. Isn't that silly? I was embarrassed because I didn't know how to count back change. Number four, I didn't like commuting. So it was, I think it was almost an hour and I thought I'm getting, I'm driving for an hour and getting paid this, you know, this little amount of money. Number five, I was depressed because I allowed myself to quote unquote settle. I was young. I was naive. My self-confidence was was really at an all-time low, and I, I buried my dream of continuing in dance because I thought that I had to be, quote-unquote, secure and pursue, pursue quote-unquote, security. That was a big mistake. I've always wanted to be different and do things outside the norm, yet I found myself... Struggling with who I wanted to be and whose society dictated that I should be or what I should do with my life. And so I take responsibility for that because I allowed that. To influence me and to make, and ultimately I'm responsible for making those decisions. But I didn't have mentorship at the time, I didn't have clear direction, I was very confused and I felt a lot of despair. And so, looking back at this experience with being in the, <laughs> the cafeteria, so this is what it was the cafeteria, and then I thought about working in the cafeteria, which brings me to this. And so, there's of course lessons that I learned from this experience, and I want to share those with you. <laughs> So here are seven life lessons from serving lunch. Number one, there's always something to learn from every experience, good and bad. I needed to learn that I need to learn how to count change back. (laughs) Or I just, you know, I also learned that maybe I, I didn't give myself enough time to see if I could handle it. I didn't like it, but... I just I didn't believe in myself enough that maybe I could have I could have handled it better. Number two, God doesn't make junk, and He created me for excellence, and I needed to believe that. And at that time, I did not believe that at all. and I felt like I had to, like I said, settle. Number three, choose your association carefully. Be around people that build you up. It is amazing how words just cut to the core. And even though you may tell yourself, Oh that doesn't bother me and and what that person says doesn't bother me. It it can and it takes a while sometimes to get over that. So if you're around more people that build you up and believe in you and remind you of all your good qualities, it's so much better to be around that and to be involved with that as opposed to paying attention to the naysayers. Number 4, you can choose your attitude as you are going through negative experiences. Obviously, I through this getting this job at this cafeteria I was not positive <laughs> about it from the get-go I did not see how that was going to going to benefit what I wanted to do and of course I didn't know what I was going to do because I had resigned myself that I wasn't going to be dancing so number 6 number 5 sorry if something doesn't feel quite right on the inside there's a reason why I believe that you get gut reactions for a reason and not paying attention to them and thinking that, that they'll go away is not always the best approach. So, depending on the situation, I would again examine why you're not feeling right about something. And if you don't know why, there's a reason, there's still a reason why you're not feeling right about something. And so, take the necessary actions so that you do feel right about whatever the situation is. Number six, always be a student and have the desire to learn and improve yourself. Now, I could have used this cafeteria experience to improve myself, my attitude, my patience, just dealing with people. It would have been an upgrade, but I didn't know that at the time, nor, you know, I just chose not to believe it. I guess at the time I was, like I said, so naive. Number seven, circumstances are temporary and they are subject to change. Just like anything in life, there is change that is going to happen. And just because something is not ideal now does not mean that, you won't have an ideal situation later. So again, really quickly, the seven life lessons learned from serving lunch. Number one, there's always something to learn from every experience, good and bad. Number two, God doesn't make junk and he created you for excellence. You need to believe that. Number three, choose your association carefully. Number four, you can choose your attitude as you are going through negative experiences. Number five, if something doesn't feel quite right on the inside, there is a reason why. Number six, always be a student and have the desire to learn and improve yourself. Number seven, circumstances are temporary and they are subject to change. I have a question for you now. What lessons have you learned from working a job that you didn't like? Has that job made you a better entrepreneur, parent, student, whatever, you know, whatever. I would love to hear your comments and you can go to AnnetteBone.com forward slash 024, where you can also find the show notes to this session. And I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio, or you can go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and give me a rating and a review. That way I can continue to improve the podcast. And I would love to give you a shout out on a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Coming up next week in the Dancepreneuring Studio, I have a conversation with my friend Nua Lu, who is a dancer and author of the book Art Devotionals, and tells us about how dance and art helped her get through some very dark times in her life. And I think you will be inspired by her story. In the meantime, I appreciate you joining me again. Thank you so much for your support. And until next week, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com, all rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.